Broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. are still awaiting rescue. These past few weeks following the terrorist attack, there's been a frightening rise of anti-Semitism, particularly on college campuses and from younger generations in America's major cities. Jewish students at Cooper Union in New York City had to shelter in a library while pro-Palestinian students banged on windows and doors in a frightening incident. You know, I, uh, we... Send a lot of hate Cory Bush's way, and we like to focus on the negative. And, of course, I'm glad to see that she got a primary challenger, but we don't always lift up the positive, and that was our own state senator, Eric Schmidt, mm. uh, giving a floor speech about anti-Semitism on college campuses specifically. Um, you can actually look it up on YouTube, and he's talking about why DEI and CRT are to blame. If you missed our interview yesterday, I'd encourage you to check it out. Of course, we stream live on Facebook and YouTube, and you can always go back and watch. We've also got podcasting, but we had Beth List. She's the board chair of the Jewish Federation of Greater Kansas City yesterday, and really an insightful conversation about the conflict going on and about um, about folks right here in Missouri who are deeply affected by the conflict. Um, and so I hope you'll check that out. And I did see this on Instagram yesterday, I thought, and I was affected by it. It said, one of my friends posted it and said, some things are worth losing friends over. Anti-Semitism is one of them. And it's it's a tough time, um, but I think having our own senator stand up and say, what we see, this hatred, especially among the younger generation on college campuses, is just unacceptable. It's hard to understand why that's still going on. I just, I, yeah. It's awful. All right. Uh, we are joined by Matt McCormick this morning of the Columbia Chamber. I am super excited to be chatting with him. There's been so many good things going on, I feel like, in Columbia and at the zoo. And I just wanted to get more of how is this impacting our local businesses? They had such a hard time during COVID, as we know. Um, but hopefully these sold out for uh, field stadiums are is making an impact and bringing some people back. Uh, Matt, what are you hearing on the streets from your members? Oh, well, all kinds of good stuff. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, winning's fun. So, uh, <laughs> you know, whenever we see uh, Mizzou football having such a wonderful season uh, like they're having and also basketball coming off from a great season last year and starting off well this year, uh, we're seeing a lot of good things going on in the community with that. And uh, we've heard from a lot of our restaurants, a lot of our retailers, things along those lines, the amount of people that are coming in for the game, whether they be, uh, you know, people here in our community, but also people people from St. Louis and Kansas City, other parts of our state traveling in more, uh, and then also with uh, people coming in from those visiting teams. I know with Tennessee, and we had quite a few people from uh, with Tennessee, uh, uh, quite a few people coming in from Knoxville and different parts of Tennessee traveling into Columbia. That's always good to see. You know, they're here. They're going to spend money going out town, going downtown to our restaurants and our stores. And you just can't beat it. And like I said, winning's fun, and uh, it's fun for the whole community. Yeah, you know, Matt, this is Steve. Uh, I'm glad glad yeah. you're with us here uh, this morning. Let's work out. But um, you know, for locals, we might see you know ball games with a lot of traffic. I mean, you avoid Stadium yeah. of Providence for much of the day and all that. And you know, I want to go out to eat, and there's a lot of people there. But um, yep. you know, for the local economy, I don't know if numbers or percentages or whatever. But you know, what kind of boost is that to hotels? restaurants the shopping centers i mean a lot of local businesses uh do really well uh, during those times they, 
They really do, and you don't have. I don't have any numbers with me right now, and uh, you know, I know hotel numbers are up. That'd be a great question for the Convention and Visitors Bureau. They do such a wonderful job tracking uh, and working with our hotels uh, and such. But yeah, we do see a boost in that, and yeah, you know, like you said, there's the traffic, and you might have to wait a little bit longer in a line to get into a restaurant. But enjoy every bit of that. Enjoy mm-hmm. that traffic and enjoy that long line because it brings good things to Columbia. It brings more resources to Columbia. Uh, it's really and truly a good thing you know people shopping here it's that domino effect it's supporting our local economy uh it's supporting our local workforce uh, and so there's never anything wrong with that and so that's a good thing to have matt we appreciate you joining us live i would just second that i was at the cracker barrel on saturday night here in <laughs> of columbia course you were I, I will tell you I, I will tell you after the game that it was full of orange vol uh, fans uh in, in a, oh, a yeah, lot of, of lot of tennessee license plates as well they were they of course, I was in there too, but no, no doubt about that. Uh, Matt, we had uh, Stacy Button was on the, the the Eagle the other day with Fred Perry, yeah. obviously talking about so many positive things as well. And she updated everybody on uh, American Outdoor Brand, everything going on. I I was at Ballpark about a year ago, it was November fourth, twenty twenty two. The governor and I think you were there as well. Equipment Share made their decision to build their one hundred million dollar new headquarters in Columbia. Can you enlighten our listeners? What is the status of that? Uh, I know it's going on, but what's the status of that project? You know, from last we talked to them, it's going very well. Uh, They're moving quickly. You know, the nice thing is we've had some really good weather, and so construction moves fast whenever you've got good weather. Uh, So, you know, what they're working on now, last we talked to them, was really uh, ramping up hiring uh, and their workforce. You know, and that's one of the biggest challenges we still have, along with everybody else, is making sure that we're uh, having the numbers in the workforce. And so a lot of things that we're working on in that arena. Uh, But it's going very well and going the right direction. That sounds good. Yeah, Those he, jobs, by the way, pay the new jobs pay about forty two thousand a year. So very yeah, good. Thank, yeah. You, thank you, Matt. They're, they're a great story. You oh know? yeah, they're great. They're great jobs with a great company, and uh, that's the positive thing. You know, they're doing it right, uh, and it is uh, it's a good place to be, and uh, really supporting their workforce. Yeah, Matt, talk about some of these uh, mid Missouri uh, companies that have national presence. Everybody's familiar with uh, you know Veterans United uh, Home Loans and so forth. Yeah. An incredible story over the last decade or so. Uh, equipment shares come on. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a number of others. Equipment share. How many? people do they employ here locally i mean ballpark anymore uh oh i would have to check with them i know it's probably over a thousand now yeah people maybe people may not be aware of that yeah Uh, yeah it's uh growing every time you talk to them they're hiring uh nonstop, which is good to see you know and then the amount of companies you mentioned american outdoor brands the things that they're doing and the amount of national lines that they have uh that are you know they're one of the only uh publicly traded companies here in columbia uh and uh, the amount of like i said the amount of national lines that they carry but you have shelter insurance which is national you have columbia insurance which is national you have uh, missouri employers mutual uh which they just got passed uh, last year, last legislative session, to be able to go outside of the state of Missouri. So you're going to start seeing them grow uh, outside of the state. So some really great things. Yeah, Midway USA, West of town, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Midway USA uh, continuing to grow. You're seeing some good things uh, from them. So, yeah, it's really heading in that right direction. We are hearing from Matt McCormick, the president of the Columbia Chamber of Commerce.
Matt, we've carried the story about Jefferson City finally sounding serious about getting a conference center to potentially be built in downtown Jefferson City, literally around the corner from the Capitol. It was interesting. We had Brian Crane, the new city administrator from Jefferson City, on the air with us the other day. And his point was that this is kind of one of those deals where a rising tide lifts all ships and talked about Columbia and Jefferson City continuing to lose that convention business to yeah. the lake. Yeah, you know, and that's a great, uh, I would encourage you to have Amy Schneider with the Convention and Visitors Bureau on here. They run such a wonderful uh, um, Columbia CVB that can go into even more detail about that. And they have those, all those numbers. But yeah, you know, we need to make sure that we're keeping the business here. We need to make sure that we're giving those conferences in this region. Uh, you know, there's been talk here about what that looks like. I know they've done some downtown studies on what it looks like for a convention center. Uh, here in Columbia, I participate in some of those. So, you know, hopefully we're seeing some of the same things here. But, yeah, it is important that we make sure that we have the hotel rooms, uh, that we have the hospitality. You know, one of the things that Columbia is very well known for, whether it be a football game or whether it be a conference, is the hospitality of Columbia for people to come from outside of Columbia, too. Uh, and so we need to keep that up and uh, do everything we can to keep all that business here in Columbia in our mid in this mid-missouri region certainly now i know boone county is about to release uh, a second round of arpa funding we have rob yeah. wolverton who's a developer coming on um at seven thirty-five to talk a little bit about low-income housing but from your uh-huh. small business owners is there any way to kind of help them try to get some of this arpa funding into some of the affected small businesses yeah you know so Excuse me. Some of the things that we're working on with that is specifically we put in for ARPA funding, but it's specifically around workforce development uh, is what we're working on. And so we're trying to do some things where we're uh, developing our current and future workforce and retention of workforce. Um, and attraction of workforce back here to help our small businesses and help our businesses of all sizes uh, to continue to be able to grow. Because, you know, uh, the challenge is if we don't have workforce, our businesses can't grow the way that they need to and the way that they want to. Uh, so we need to make sure that we're producing and retaining and attracting that workforce to do so. Um, you know, housing is one of the biggest issues that we're dealing with. And, uh, you know, there's the low-income housing, but there's also that what I call workforce housing, uh, which is that entry-level housing, right? You've got your first job. Maybe you're out of college. You're in your first career. Mm-hmm. You'd like to move out of that apartment and move into a house. you got to have the ability to do so. We have to have that stock to do so. Um, and so that's some of what uh, I know Rob's working on and a number of, uh, a number of folks are working on. Yeah. Uh, many listeners are familiar with, uh, you know, staying places when they travel, whether it's a hotel or an Airbnb anymore. And, uh, you yeah. know, it's a, a not a new thing, but um, you know localities, including Columbia, um, look to you know regulate that, and there hasn't been a thing. It's been talked about for years. That's kind of going through the uh, the system there. Do you have the, the latest on Airbnb regs in, in Columbia? We know it was uh, that was being heard. I think or it's being heard in December. Uh, so we're tracking that along with the home builder. Or sorry, along with the board of realtors and a number of others. Uh, so yeah, so they're doing the it's called short term rentals, right? Uh, which includes VRBO, Airbnb, those type of things. Uh, I believe it's in December. It goes through planning and zoning. It's something that the city's been working on for a number of years. It's something that the many communities out there have struggled with through the years. Uh, what does this look like? Is there a hotel occupancy? 
occupancy tax. It needs right. what what traditionally would be a hotel occupancy tax, some sort of occupancy tax that needs to be added to that. What does that look like? Uh, and I think that that's and where they where they can go and how many can be in a certain area. So I know that's a lot of what the city's taking a yeah, look at. Yeah, you know we're starting to dig through that, but it'll be in December. Yeah, you know property rights works. Uh, both ways, <laughs> many, yep, many ways. Exactly. And they're talking about if you don't live in a, a place that you rent out enough, uh, they're going to outlaw that was part of what was on on the table and kind of sliding scale for if you live there, if you live part of the time, yeah. you know, are you an engaged, you know, host or whatever? Are you hosting a party house and all this fear? And it's it's I hope something reasonable yeah. gets worked out. Well, yeah, it needs to be be able to find that that good middle, you know, to where people can, uh, you know, both sides, like you said, but property rights go both directions. You know, it's one thing if you're if you're renting your house out to, you know, a family of four that's in for a football game and that's all that's there. There's another thing if it's being rented out to, you know, forty. Uh, you know, 20 or 40, uh, uh, people to come in and, and have a big, like you called it a party house. There's a big difference between those two. And so, yeah, it's finding that middle ground that works for everybody. Uh, and so we continue to watch that and see what that's going to look like in December whenever they start, uh, they start really digging into it. Super. Well, we appreciate you keeping an eye on what's going on in the city (laughs) on behalf of business owners. I don't always hold out a lot of hope with the Columbia City Council, but, um, appreciate certainly you all staying engaged in your work on behalf of the businesses yeah we're there every monday night you know that's one of the things that we do to stay on top of it is uh we are there every monday night and seeing what's going on uh and watching what's being done and so that way we can stay on top of that and whenever there's issues that are going on uh be able to activate our business community to to be there uh and to be heard and making sure that we're speaking for the business community so they can be heard so uh yeah it's our pleasure to and uh, that's what we're here for important work thanks for joining us matt Hey, thanks for having me. Y'all have a wonderful day. Take care, man. All right. Hannah, what is hot this morning? Well, if you've got some uh, change laying around, you might want to look for some special nickels. (laughs) (laughs) Me? Seriously. Or change? Never. Seriously. All right. That's up next. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Words do matter when it comes to these guys. Welcome to Wake Up Mid-Missouri. (laughs) There it is. I hope you, Hannah, you need to put the camera on your face because if you were watching, you could see the disappointed look on (laughs) Hannah's face and her tapping her wrist to tell me that it's 725-ish, which means it's... It's 726. And a half. And before the show even started this morning, Steve asked if What's Hot with Hannah was going to be on time. And I said... Even if it isn't, we're going to blame it on you. What did I tell you, Steve? And I kept asking our guest questions in the last segment. It was <laughs> your Airbnb? fault. He did it on purpose. He was sabotaging. What do you think about the economy? <laughs> <laughs> Let's make Hannah late. Sabotage, yeah. What about well, roll carts? Oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, no, not roll carts. Can We're going to talk about... on the radio. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. We're going to talk about nickels, <laughs> because what else would we talk about at 727 on a Tuesday morning? <laughs> the, the U.S. Mint has put out, like, a little PSA saying, hey, if you have this special type of nickel, it could be worth some serious change. 
<laughs> Points. Anyway, there's a special variety of nickel. It's got a American buffalo on one side and a Native American on the other side. And to narrow it down even further, so those were introduced 110 years ago, yeah. talking 1913, mm-hmm. and it ran until the 1930s. And of those nickels that were produced during that time, there's a smaller group of nickels that were over-polished, and essentially the buffalo looks like it only has three legs. (laughs) They're estimating there's about 10,000 of these nickels that were created, and, you know, collectors are holding on to some of them, and they think there might be just a few in, like, circulation still, Uh, but... One of these recently went for almost a hundred thousand dollars. A hundred thousand dollars for auction. a three-legged buffalo <laughs> on a nickel that's worth five cents. <laughs> so if you have one of these laying around, you know you got all that change in your cup holder. You might just want to want to take a quick peek. It could be worth anywhere from a hundred thousand dollars all the way down to about fifty-one cents. <laughs> you still make a profit on it. I mean, that's true. That's still a pretty good profit margin on a nickel. There are collector coins to be found out in loose change, but uh, you know, back in the day, we used to actually put valuable metal, precious metal, in our coinage. Mm-hmm. Up until that, about nineteen sixty-three, there was actual silver and dimes yeah. and quarters. The factoid on the buffalo nickels and nickels, they're 80% copper. (laughs) They're not nickel. Well, if you have a whole bunch of change lying around, then you can be like this Colorado businessman who paid his $23,500 settlement to a competitor in 6,500 pounds in coins. (laughs) The entire thing was coins. He had to get a flatbed truck to deliver (laughs) the payment of coins. That is awesome. All right. Coming up next, we are going to be talking with Rob Wolverton. He's a developer and a home builder. He's got some insights on this ARPA funding and low-income housing and how we might move the community forward excited for that coming up next on wake up mid-missouri their words are their responsibility what you think that's on you this is wake up mid-missouri All right, we are just getting in the latest CPI numbers and inflation numbers. We're going to be covering that at 835 in the morning bell. We've also got some new AI wearables. Um, I have recently purchased some wear AI tech <laughs> oh wearables, um, but not this one. Um, but I want to get, I mean, Hannah, you're, you're like Gen Z. I think like it's made <laughs> for you. Or are you a freak if you walk around and like talk to yourself and these things on your body? I don't know. <laughs> I don't right. know. I'm not a very good example of my generation <laughs> because you're a grandma. I, I, yeah, I came out of the womb an old lady. So you, you really did. <laughs> I did. All right. Well, we are going to stay a little bit on this local uh, local topic uh, and local funding. I know a lot of folks are watching that um, Boone County has some um, additional second round ARPA funding coming. And it also um, is a topic that I know I spend a lot of time talking to folks in Jefferson City about um, with housing. And they've developed they have a task force. They've got a summit. Um, and a lot of it comes down to how do you how do you make this work? How do you fund these things? Who is it? Who should it be for? What um, what level of incentive should be around? So uh, t- this morning we've got uh, Rob Wolverton. He is a mid-Missouri developer and home builder that you know well, Steve. Yeah. Um, and we wanted to get your take on this latest uh, round of uh, low-income housing and you've issue. You've got a specific project I know that you're involved with. 
Yeah, yeah, I do actually, and and uh, thanks for having me on this morning. The um, the ARPA funding is a it's a very it's a very complicated issue <laughs> because the question that we have to answer is: Do we want to spend this money or do we want to invest it? And so, in investing the money, you know, we're looking for something that's going to have a long term payback mm-hmm. and. As a real estate guy, uh, made my living in the real estate industry for close to 30 years. You know, I, I believe in real estate and I believe in investing in real estate, but I also know that there's, there's other needs in the community that have to be met as well. So it's a, it's a very, very complicated issue. It really is. And, you know, part of the issue that I heard in Jefferson City was there were developers that were showing up saying, hey, look, if you just unstrangle us from some of these regulations, we might be able to do some of this without government funding. <laughs> so, I mean, what are your thoughts on, on that? So th- there is truth to that. When we look at the the first ward and, and redevelopment in the first ward specifically, uh, there, there's been very little redevelopment in the first ward for several years. And Part of the reason for that is that we have we have old development. We have developments that were done 100 years ago under standards that were in place 100 years ago when an affluent family would have one vehicle 100 years ago. And, and now we're trying to mix new development with new standards with development that's 100 years old. And that creates very, very complicated issues because we have different uh, road right-of-way. We have different stormwater requirements. We have all kinds of things that have to be dealt with, and, and all of those things are important. But the but you're right. The, the regulations oftentimes will clash with one another to where you have the, the public will is to have redevelopment in the first ward, but the, the development standards that are in place clash with one another enough to where it makes it very expensive and very time-consuming to do so. Yeah, you know, um, you know, infill and so forth, where something you know maybe uh, an older house that isn't useful anymore, or in some places in the city center, their house has been torn down; it's an empty lot, and you think, well, gee, why didn't somebody just build something there? And so, I mean, you're a, a professional builder and, and develop land and, and so forth uh, over the years, and if you look at the plot in the city center, that's Maybe not real big. It's got older homes around it. The property values or the potential property value growth probably isn't that great. You know, how does that look attractive versus, you know, a greenfield development on the edge of town? Well, it's it's far less complicated to develop on the edge of town. Uh, there, there's no question about that. Um, the, the downtown redevelopment is complicated for, for many reasons. Reason number one is that the situation that you just described, Steve, oftentimes that's a piece of property that maybe has problems with the title. And so yeah. if there's old tax liens, if there's somewhere in the in the title history of that property that the title wasn't transferred properly from one owner to the next, uh, there's all kinds of things that can put a cloud on the title of a property. And until that cloud is, is cleared up, there's no lenders are going to lend any money on that and mm-hmm. no investors are going to put any money into that until the cloud is is cleared from the title of that property. And so what happens is, in what you just described, if I take that piece of property, even if it's given to me, I might spend a year or two clearing the title of that property and spend thousands of dollars in legal fees 
And then I have to spend thousands of dollars more to tear mm-hmm. down the old house and, and get yeah. the land ready to build on and that sort of thing. And I've got two years and $30,000 in a piece of property that's worth $10,000. Yeah. And then you and, want to put the, the time and effort into that project and you got the nicest house on the block, which, you know, they say you want the, the, the most humble house on the block. Right. So from an investor, it, it's tough stuff. Right. Right. And so, you know, my my leaning is I'm I'm a market driven guy. I, I I believe that the market will will take care of problems, but the issue that we face is that there there has been you know government involvement and government regulation in the real estate world for you know hundreds of years, and so you can't today just say, well, the government should get out of this and let the private market handle this issue because. A lot of the issues that we are facing are government regulation issues. And so there has to be government involvement in order to have any sort of redevelopment in the downtown area and especially in the affordable housing area. Rob, it's one of those kind of deals, too, we hear so many times about folks looking at the unincorporated areas. And I know in your involvement in the Lakeside Ashland project and all, and there were a lot of folks there initially who said, well, that sounds great, but we don't want it in my backyard, and they've kind of become a, a quick success story. Yeah, there's no question, and and so uh, we, we run into that a lot, and especially uh, when working with people in the affordable housing area, um, affordable housing is, is that topic that people love to talk about at cocktail parties and things like that, as long as it's happening in somebody else's neighborhood. And so it's uh, it's a very difficult uh, process politically because, you know, a lot of the people that are pushing for it are the same people who are behind the scenes saying, yeah, we, we love this. We just don't want to hear. <laughs> we, we want you to go somewhere else and do that. And so, um, yeah, that, that does create that does create a, a, a lot of hurdles. So one idea that was shared, I know, at the housing conference in Jefferson City was, hey, we need workforce housing. We've got some of these really big businesses, and mm-hmm. they're the ones that are out there saying there's nowhere for our people to live. And and I think both the city and some of the developers were like, well, if you need, like, is there a way for us to work together with some of these businesses? Maybe they chip in a little bit mm-hmm. um, for their own employees. And you see this, you know, in big, like, Disney has housing for their people and all of that. But, like, is there any ability for us to come together and work, you know, some of these parties to work together to provide the needs for the business community and are they willing to you know help out yeah yeah absolutely and i uh, in fact my wife and i own some some rental property and and i heard you talking in the previous segment about the airbnb world and we own some furnished rental properties uh, a couple of which we do rent airbnb that are out in the county but um we've been contacted by companies looking for places to put their people while they're in town for training and things of that nature. Uh, so, so the short answer to your, your question, Stephanie is yes, there is a will to do that. And what has to happen, um, there, there has to be a, a level of trust created between the city leaders, the county leaders and the business community to come together on a project that everybody can trust that that their their dollars are being well spent and their dollars are being taken care of and that we're not spending money on things that are um that are virtue signaling types of items that we need to spend our money on things that are solid items that provide good solid housing for people that's solid for decades and not just not just solid for a few years but solid for decades mm. to come yeah rob you're uh, involved with a specific arpa project of low-income housing along uh, north province near hickman high school near uh, columbia city center um 
mostly an empty lot. It's been empty or not thriving for as long as I can remember. Uh, tell us a little bit about that opportunity, what you're involved with. So uh, I'm acting as the developer for Central Missouri Community Action, and um, we are working on a project there that is geared towards home ownership. Um, in the affordable housing arena, there's lots of different categories. Mm-hmm. There's there's properties for people who simply cannot provide their own housing due to some sort of physical limitations or mental or emotional limitations. They just cannot provide housing for themselves. And that's an entirely different category from somebody who wants to own their home, but for whatever reason, they can't get out of the rental cycle. They either don't know how to do it or they don't have the funds to do it or they just don't have the opportunity to do so. And so there's different levels of affordable housing. And so it's really important that we identify Mm. those different categories. And this particular project is geared towards the home buyer who is a perpetual lifetime renter uh, to teach them, you know, financially what it takes to, to own and operate a home and to teach them how to physically care for a home and to, to it's a kind of a stepping stone type of project from becoming going from being a renter to being a market rate home buyer. This is a stepping stone type of project for that. Yeah, and well, so well, how many units are we talking about? Are they like townhomes or apartments, or what do you got here? So we're we're working through all the details of that now. So I have to be careful about getting too. Specific are the the target what the options are, that are moving. available or talked about? Maybe I don't know. Yeah. So what we're um, what we're proposing at this point are seven buildings, and each building would have two living units. So there'd be a total of fourteen living units, and uh, each living unit would be available to be purchased by uh, an, an individual home buyer. So you could have under one roof, you'd have two different home buyers under one roof, and we call that a zero lot line. And so uh, they would actually own their home. And there would be a, a subsidy. There'd be a down payment subsidy for that. And the homes association would be put in place to maintain the exteriors of the properties and the landscaping. And, and we're, we're working really hard to put the pieces in place to make sure that this is an affordable housing project that is affordable for decades to come, as well as um, to, to maintain the properties to where it becomes a very positive stabilizing force within the first ward neighborhood it will become yeah. a stabilizing force in that neighborhood yeah. rob what's the target uh, cost per unit on on this project well we're working through that now and so uh, i it's hard for me to answer that question now we're trying to stay under two hundred thousand dollars um it, but that's that's you know we just have to kind of play that as it comes we've got different sizes of units that we're designing everywhere from one bedroom to three bedroom units and so the the pricing will vary, of course, per the size of the unit. And so um, we're we're trying to reach a range of of home buyers there, from you know people who are you know retirees who need a place, maybe they need a one or two bedroom place, to young families who maybe need a two or three bedroom place. So we're trying to create a a group of housing there that that will fit a lot of different needs. Well, and I like the kind of stepstone educational component as well. So many times we think, you know, money will solve a problem, but, you know, certainly teaching someone to fish and teaching them about home ownership. Yeah, I think that's a really fascinating project. Excited to kind of watch that as it continues to develop. So uh, we got to run. But thanks so much, Rob, for joining us this morning. Um, Look forward to talking to you about these projects in the future. You bet. Thank you. All right. And John, 
what would be all except for this? Florida man says, hold my beer. Watch this. Was it Matt Gates? <laughs> all right. Stay tuned. Okay. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. News, analysis, and opinion. Free of charge from Wake Up Mid-Missouri. And that would be all. Except for this. Okay, what happens when you combine Florida Man with Olympic events? The Florida Man Games, of course. That's a thing? Who can resist? (laughs) The weaponized pool noodle mud duel. Beer belly Florida sumo in the Category 5 cash grab, where the athletes are unconventionally talented. Pete Melfi's the guy who founded this. He says, this is kind of a weird description, like if you had a fever and went to bed with Florida on your mind, this would be your fever dream, minus the aches and pains, plus a bunch of belly laughs. He adds, there's even a steel, a catalytic converter-themed race because, well... Florida, you know, they can live out, live out their fantasies without fear of being arrested. For some reason, they can also challenge their friends to a mechanical bucking gator, an evading <laughs> arrest obstacle course, and a wipeout log slammer. If that's not crazy enough, there's a party out back in the way of a mullet contest. Yeah. No word if it involves a fish or little town hare. And now you know the rest of uh, that Florida man story. Is there any lawnmower racing? I didn't see that in there, but, you know, I didn't have the complete list in front of me. It's the only thing that I think is missing. You know, I think we're going to have to go talk to our friends over uh, Shags and Trevor for the man (laughs) show. I think we're going to have to get that riding bucking alligator at the next man show. That sounds awesome. That would be a deal. Maybe the (laughs) evading arrest obstacle course as well. (laughs) I love it. Florida man. Uh, can you buy tickets to the show, I wonder? Like, is that something you just go watch? <laughs> Sounds yeah, like just... you can, yeah, like 40 bucks a head I bet we got some watch. listeners that could come up with a mid-Missouri version of this. Redneck yeah. relays or something? Yeah. What are we... Bucking possum or I don't know. <laughs> I still think lawnmower races would apply. Yeah. I mean, lawnmower I... tractor pull. What about have we... an annexation arm wrestling contest in Ashland there, Councilman. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I'm I'm envisioning someone on a scooter dodging armadillos, like an armadillo <laughs> obstacle course. And right now, of course, everyone's kind of dodging the deer on I-70 and all the other highways. Uh, I've been seeing, though, a lot of successful hunting trips, which I am thankful 90, for. 90,000 and change the first really? weekend. So they cleaned out a few of them for you, Steph. Is that is that good? Is that bad? Where are we, Was like, it a little down from last year, they said, by? Huh. Several thousand. And I think I saw, too, that the youth hunting numbers were down, um, and they didn't know if that was like a result of fewer youth hunters or just really smart deer. Maybe the deer are getting smarter. I don't know. Uh, They're not but, getting smart. <laughs> we've had this debate before. I think yeah, you got are, in trouble last year, Stephanie. Be careful. I know. They're getting organized. <laughs> they're organizing. No, they're just stupid. Like they just run right inside of your car. And I and I had some words to say, but I do appreciate all of our hunters um, and certainly what they're doing to keep those folks the deer off the road. Although. Is it that hard when you're chasing an animal who is as stupid as a deer? And that's what I said that got me in picture. And there you said it again. <laughs> there is an art and science. There yes. is. There really is. Um, so excited for all of you all. I know um, a lot of people will be back at it this weekend. Um, okay, coming up, we have uh, Steve. You wrote a really interesting piece recently about leadership. You mm-hmm. had um, a conversation with 
um, Moon Choi uh, mm-hmm. that I, I hope you will share with us. And I've also, um, I brought this up yesterday, but um, I've got some interesting, um, a little clip that I want to play from um, the Federal Society Convention in D.C. on Friday. We heard from Barry Weiss, um, and she had some really mm-hmm. uh, insightful things to say, and I hope um, the little clip that I play will encourage you to get on YouTube and look up her whole talk. I really think it's worth it. And of course, um, if you missed any of our interviews, we had a really fun discussion with Matt McCormick earlier this morning of the Columbia Chamber. Uh, you can check us out on our live streams, Facebook, YouTube, or on our podcast.